I'm pretty sure that as a frontier of a civilized, humane world, Ukraine is definitely going to defeat Russian orcs and we'll get back to glory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Borderscapes, a podcast beyond boundaries where we are exploring perspectives on physical and conceptual borders through stories. This episode is entitled Heroyam Slava. Just a couple disclaimers before we get started. Um, although this episode focuses on personal anecdotes, the subject matter is obviously a cause of widespread trauma to many of those directly and indirectly affected. I will try to go in the least detail of the ongoing atrocities as possible, but some content may still be problematic for some to listen to. So, a trigger warning for war crimes, genocide, any other topics of the likes. A lot of this episode is merely my personal response, um, as well as a demonstration of my passion and admiration of Ukrainian culture and its people as well. This episode is going to be a mix of my own personal stories, as well as those of guests that I'm very grateful to have been able to invite to this episode, as well as a mix of uh, historical and cultural contextualizations in the hopes to help mitigate the ongoing misinterpretations and misconceptions going around based on Ukraine's culture and their relation to Russia and the Russian Federation. So first things first, I'm probably going to have to answer a few questions you might have. Why me? And why Ukraine? Well, I've been traveling around the world with my family as far back as I remember. I think we've always had the travel bug, all three of us. And in 2018, once I'd already been at university here at Sussex for a year for my undergrad, I helped my parents move into Kiev, one of the most underrated cities I'd ever witnessed. Coming from someone who's had the privilege to travel across the globe, I can truly say that Kiev stupefied me uh, because of its cultures of food, wine, other drinks, dance, theatre, film, music, and the huge amounts of uh, religious heritage and artefacts that have turned this city not only into a bustling metropolitan area, but a vastly significant historical centre. So, despite never having really lived there myself officially, I visited more frequently than I think I'd visited any other place. And because of this, our 
fairly brief stay there was still one of the most emotionally charged in a positive sense as a family unit. And another aspect is that previously my parents had been living in Pretoria and we'd rescued a dog from the kennels, a dog with severe mental health issues resulting in all sorts of antisocial behavior with other animals that are not that were not humans. We've spent so much effort and so much stress trying to get this poor dog over to Ukraine with us. And we finally did. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to see my dog again because the effort of relocating the dog was far too much for the resources available during this time of high prioritization. And of course, I do not mean to take away from the awful human cost that is found across Ukraine and further. But I would just like to highlight that there is a non-human cost to all of this tragedy. And it is really troubling to me, especially as someone who is a big fan of nature and animals, to hear about the damage to so many ecosystems across the country due to the vastly excessive firepower in use, as well as the military takeovers of national parks. And in addition to that, the leveraging of radioactive Chernobyl power plants. This could spell disaster in so many other ways, uh, lest I mention the damage to the agricultural infrastructure in Ukraine, which used to be the sixth largest exporter of grain globally. So we do also have wider, more global implications. So before you start to worry, my parents have been lucky enough to leave the war zone before the war started. Uh, they were advised to leave less than a week before the invasion began. So that's why the dog and all of our belongings couldn't make it out with them. To finish off the story of my involvement with Ukraine, what happened next was during the start of the invasion, when Kiev was still a target, my parents invited our dog sitter, who we'd been using for about a year or so, into the house since no one was living there and the dog still needed company. We were slightly out of the main infrastructure of the city. We offered up the house and from what I've understood, there were 11 family members, including the dog sitter, that stayed and used our safer haven until eventually it became obvious that this violence would not be resolved quickly. From that point on, 
we realised it would be for the best to put our dog Karma down and shortly after that Anna, the dog sitter and her family were safe enough to return to their own homes. I would next like to share certain excerpts from something a dear family friend of mine and of ours has prepared to further contextualise who they are and where they're coming from. They were already a refugee from the Donbass region, which is where they are originally from, and are now having to live through all of that on top of all of the most recent events again. So, without further ado, I will let Nikita introduce himself and share his contribution. Hello, my name is Nikita and I'm 26 years old. I'm originally from Donetsk, east side of Ukraine, where, as you might know, the war conflict began originally in 2014, after Russia's regime invaded and annexed Crimea. Right now I'm based in Italy at my friends, and I've been traveling quite a while before. I've been also to Turkey, where I spent some time with my sister and my Turkish family. Oh. It's really hard to find some proper words because it all started to me and my family in 2014. In that year, I have lost the meaning of my life and it took me around 10 years to recover. And yet I feel this trauma, it exists. Now in 2022, I have to do it all over again. It's like a lake filled with puke that is on fire and there is a fog that makes me sick. I would describe this as my own taste of PTSD. I am able to function, I work and I do what I can to help and support my country. But often I find myself in that fog and it's awful. It's actually a very nice explanation, you know, durational reaction of my body as an allergy to what is happening. It's an anger that burns my throat, ears, eyes, and nose. I miss Ukraine. I miss Kyiv. I was 18 when I left my city to the beginning of the war in the Donbas region. Now I'm 26 and I left my country. I am hopeful to be able to return as soon as I can because I really would like to wave the Ukrainian flag about the land, the land of really joyous and dear people to my heart. My next guest is someone who I have yet to meet in person. I've been very grateful that I can have them on this platform. His name is Konstantin Usov. Through my family's connection, I've been able to have a very engaging and significant phone conversation with him. The next few minutes, I will be presenting you with the highlights of that conversation. 
removing my poorly recorded voice from the phone call and it will help us all focus our complete attention to what Constantine has to say. Hello everyone, I'm Konstantin Usov, Ukrainian national, former journalist, lawyer, member of Ukrainian parliament, now serving as a deputy mayor of Kyiv together with Mayor Vitaly Klitschko. My personal history is rather strange one, coming from a humble, humble origins, simple lower class family of been elected to parliament at quite a young age, uh, at 26, uh, I got my mandate and took a seat. In my opinion, the biggest misinterpretations of current day are comparable to those of 80 years ago when West tried to appease Hitler and didn't recognize the incoming disastrous violence. It is not possible to keep allowing barbarians to join big gala parties and meals uh, and expect him to become a civilized human being. I guess that Western politicians must end the hypocrisy and cease break all the communications with uh, uncivilized uh, evil that is threatening the security of the whole world right now. I think that everybody must protect and stand by values. And I honestly do not understand how is it possible that if Ukrainians are good enough to die for the same values that are shared across the whole Europe, and then they are not entitled to live in the family or group of nations with those very same values. It seems unjust to me. After such a strong introduction to this man, I began to discuss the theme of our podcast series with him. We touched on some aspects of both the literal borders as well as the figurative ones. And something that really affected me was the ambivalence between their positive applications as well as their negative realities. This war has shown that borders have become a symbol of hope, shelter and, and help as well as thanks to the immigration of women, children and other vulnerable citizens as the efforts that were put into the humanitarian corridors. Ukrainian fathers, Ukrainian husbands uh, have sent their best, have sent the best part of their lives abroad across the borders. We've basically sent our hopes and dreams in forms of our wives and children. At the same time, borders now represent a flame of support. So much help 
coming in to Ukraine through the Western border, including military and humanitarian one. There are also more sinister aspects, such as the nationalist ideology Russia is attempting to force onto Ukraine. The literal boundaries between Belarus, Russia and Ukraine have become those of a dystopian movie. From fairly eroded cultural borders prior to the violence, to vastly strengthened senses of cultural identity and independence. The physical borders partially define the conceptual boundaries right now. Finally, we get to hear Konstantin's insight on corruption, which obviously has been an ongoing rampant issue and cause and symptom of many of the systematic problems found effectively everywhere to combat this deeply rooted societal issue. And we also get some inspiring motivational approaches and attitudes to maintain in the face of oppression and evil. What I understand about power and influence is that if your position, your big leather chair, somehow twists or changes you as a person, it is a bad sign. It is a first sign of something horrible coming to you. If you lose to corruption, you'll also lose yourself as well. And, and the best way to approach whatever position of authority uh, that you have is with the healthy irony. It's, it's, it should be taken as a vacation. You know, it's going to end like any vacation. And if it ends well, you know the next one will come. The tipping point at the decline is when your ego and a sense of your self-importance are inflated to the level when, it, when they start to cast shadow over you and over and over a person you've once been. So the best way to, to go through uh, life and career of political influence is with a good sense of humor about you, your place in this hierarchy, and about every chair that is actually just temporary. I'm pretty sure that as a frontier of a civilized, humane world, Ukraine is definitely going to defeat Russian orcs, and we'll get back to glory. To wrap up with, I'm going to have some final shout outs. This one's for Nikita. This is his Instagram, K-I-T-A dot V-A-S-Y-L-I-E-V. You'll also find links to how to support Ukraine on his bio. Additionally, his organization, as well as my mum's, is at P-S-I-K-Y-I-V, P-S-I Kiev. The Pechersk International School. You'll find many more links there to support Ukraine. All the links you find on these pages are verified and please know that it's never too late and never too little to support us and Ukraine. Another shout out of course is Konstantin. I've been very grateful to 
have him on this platform and to follow him on Instagram, you can find him on usov.ua. That's at usov.ua. And you can find him on LinkedIn as well if you just search for his surname, USOV Usov. Other Instagram handles uh, would be at with Ukraine. They've been a consistent and reliable source of information that I've been following them on Instagram. Ukrainian artists to look out for uh, would be at V-A-L-L-Y underscore V at Valley V uh, has also got a podcast showcasing Ukrainian voices and showcasing Ukrainian content creators and Ukrainian art. I am Massimo Marengo, and you've been listening to Heroyam Slava, a part of the podcast Borderscapes, produced with the support of the School of Media, Arts and Humanities, and the Office of Technology and Enhanced Learning at the University of Sussex. We had technical help from Matthew Taylor. Our executive producers were Lee Gooding and Martin Spinelli. Our theme music was composed by Helena McCormack and our graphic design was by Thomas O'Dwyer. Additional episode music credits and info are available at borderscapes.org. And for our socials, we are at borderscapespod. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.